I was um, I was talking to Stan. Do you mind if I share a little bit about our conversation? Uh, a little bit of conversation. Um, Stan and I were talking about you know his projects he was working on and working on, and and then he said, you know, it's funny because it seems like um, in some ways as I get older, the fear goes level goes up, and we're trying to kind of figure that out because you know maybe in some ways it's because we. We have less time to recuperate. We have, uh, we've got more to lose, you know. I mean, a lot of those kind of kind of things kind of factor into that that fear dimension. Because uh, I, I can remember in college, uh, I repelled down a 300-foot cliff. I'd never done it before, and the guy who was instructing us had done it once. Well, I would never do that today, you know. And yet I've done it once. And we did it all day long. So I don't know what what that is, but um, there is something there is something um, just powerful, man. When you push into a fear, you push into it, really push into it, and everything in the natural man is telling you don't do that, and you go, God, you got to come through. Um, if if you've had those, have any of you had those moments where you really felt that? I mean, just. You don't have to tell me what it is, but you had one of those moments. Have you had any times where you did that and God didn't come through? Okay, yep. Anybody else? Yep. Okay, go to page 143. Bottom of page 143. What our world often witnesses today, got it? Page 143, last paragraph, or next last paragraph. What our world often witnesses today is devoted, committed Christians or a church serving God but they are not seeing God. They don't see anything happening um, that can be explained only in terms of God. Why? Because we are not attempting anything that only God can do. Okay. Now, what happens if, now let's just take our Bibles. Everybody got a Bible? Got a phone? Got something? Got an ear? Can listen? That's all we need. Hebrews chapter 11. I want to just read this. This is kind of the... um, I like to call it God's Hall of Fame, okay, or Hall of Faith. This is a story about all these men and women who believe God. Let me just read a little bit and see if, how it sounds, see how their, if their life sounds anything like yours. You ready? Everybody ready? Got it? Okay. Uh, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just stop and think about that definition. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made out of things which are visible. Okay, and then it goes into by faith, you know, uh, Abel, by faith, Abraham. Okay, I'm going to just keep moving. I'm not going to read all this to you because you can do this on your own. Okay. Um. Go down to uh, verse 30, okay? By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Do you not agree? Would you agree with me that was a bad idea? From a, from a, from a, a strategic warfare position, send a bunch of trumpet players and singers, walk around this thing, you know, every, once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, seven days, and when you get on the seventh t- or seven times, and when you get to the seventh time, then you shout, and the wall's going to come down. Now, 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 just imagine, you're the general, you're, you're Joshua, you're sitting down and go, here's how the plan's going to work, gentlemen. 
Okay? We're going to not say a word. We're just going to walk around it. And then on the last day, on the last round, we're going to shout, and the walls are going to come tumbling down. You know, that story was thought to be fiction up until about 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Do you know that? Until a British archaeologist discovered Jericho. Seems hard to believe you couldn't find it, but they, they have these what's called mounds or just giant piles of dirt where you know cities have fallen and they, they would build on them and you would have multiple cities that would build and they're called mounds. And they found the mound and they found the, the wall. It was a casemate wall and they found where these, this city where the walls literally fell out all the way around. And everybody thought it was stupid. And the guy that found it um, was a British archaeologist. I believe it was Pritchard. I can't remember. But, uh, but he, he came to the conclusion he wasn't even a Christian. And he said, after he discovered it, he said, I believe the Bible is the most accurate document of antiquity. And he used it then for all of his archaeological digs as a roadmap. Okay, he never became a Christian. He just said, no, as an ancient document, it is the greatest document of antiquity when it comes to accuracy. Interesting, huh? Okay, so what did, what did it really... You know, not to get off on that, but just because I want want you to keep on this. So by faith, harlot, um, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies in peace. And what more can I say? Time will tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Japheth, of David, of Samuel, and of all the prophets who by faith subdued kingdoms. This is what they did. They did it by faith. They subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. How many of you like this? Sound like your kind of guys? It sound like your kind of life? Okay, keep reading, right? Women received their dead uh, raised from life again. Others were, uh-oh, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Not everything that they trusted God for or their life wasn't always easy. They were tortured. Where was God? Still others uh, had a trial of mockings and scourging, yes, and of, of chains and of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And I love the next verse of whom the world was not worthy. Wow, I just get chills reading that. Because it sounds really good up until a point, right? Victory, 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 victory. All of a sudden, people are sawn into, tortured. Why did they do it? Look what it says. It says right here in the Scripture, it says, of whom the world were not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All of these having obtained a good testimony through faith, they did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made uh, perfect apart from us. And then he says this, and here's the transition. This is where it really gets powerful. Look what he says in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also... Therefore, we, we who have experienced victory and we've been delivered from the, from the lion, from the fire, from the sword, from the pestilence, we who have been tortured, we who have been persecuted, we who have been forsaken, therefore, we also, 
since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who's a crowd of witnesses? It's all those people who died in faith who went before us. You know where we are? We're Imagine you're in a football stadium, and we're down on the field, and we're playing the game, and in that stadium is this great hall of faith. Men and women, who it talks about, it says, We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know what the joy that was set before him was? It was seeing you and I as men and women of faith. He said, I see that, therefore I will go to the cross. See people redeemed and forgiven of sin. He says, he says so let us, uh, the, uh, let us run this race. It says, endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So your faith doesn't always result in what you trust him for. Because sometimes it's your faith that changes your character that gets you ready to meet him or to live out your life in this life. And I think we do a disservice to our mind when we, when we don't read the whole Bible. You know what Paul said in, in Acts 20? He said, I, fa- I did not fail to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Hey, this is, the, this is more of that whole counsel of God. The first half, when we get down to about verse 34, it sounds pretty good because everybody's winning. Then everybody starts losing. That's a whole counsel of God. I'm going to trust God whether I win or whether I lose. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know, they're going to throw you in the fire. You don't worship my idol, you know, Nebuchadnezzar. He says, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Well, you decide, king, what's right, but we're not going to, we're going to trust God anyway. If our God is able to deliver us, if he does not, we're still going to trust God. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar comes down, he looks in the fiery furnace. He says, I see four men walking about. He says to the guys, how many guys did we throw in there? We threw three in there. Well, how come I see four guys in there and the fourth is like the son of God? Who's down there with him? They got him out, not even the smell of smoke was upon him. What's going on? There's something. This is a rigged deal. But look what Nebuchadnezzar says. I think it's actually this story is maybe even in your book there. It's, uh, yeah, on page 143, up right above there. Uh, Daniel 3.17, the God we serve is able to uh, deliver us from it, and he will rescue us out of your hand. King Nebuchadnezzar said, uh, when they delivered him out, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to rescue his servants. Therefore, I decree that, pe- that every people and nation and language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego will be cut into pieces, their houses torn, and their piles of rubble, for no God can save in this way. So what was that whole thing all about? Was it about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yes. What else was it about? It was about the king making a proclamation. and See, God's always going to get the glory. When you fail, God gets the glory. When you succeed, God gets the glory. When you're happy, God gets the glory. When you're sad, God gets the glory. There's a book written by Bilheim. Remember the book, Destined for the Throne, we studied? He wrote another book called Don't Waste Your Sorrows. He said the problem is everybody goes through sorrows, but some people waste them. 
you go through a tough time, you get set back, you have one of these Hebrew 11 experiences, and what do you do? All you can do is complain and gripe and complain about it and tell everybody, poor me and victim. Instead of going, you know what? Wow, God took me down this really tough journey. Man, thank you, Jesus, for the great lessons in humility. Thank you, God, for some character development. Thank you, God, for not killing me. Right? I mean, right? If you were God and you were his kids, wouldn't you be a little bit more harsher? Wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, Jack? No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, back to Jericho, I, I know for a fact that that battle is not as glorious as it was. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I don't know about you, but I just, I long to move in the dimension where the impossible, I get to experience the impossible. Because that's, you know, it's kind of like when you read your Bible. I mean, you can read your Bible and not get anything out of it. You know what I'm talking about? You just kind of read and go, yeah, 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 I'm not getting anything. But don't you love it when those moments happen? And you start reading, and all of a sudden you're going, yeah, 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 I'm needing this because it's discipline. All of a sudden, then God just shows you something. God just speaks. God comforts. God, God does something. You go, I long for those moments. I live for those moments. I live for those moments where, where I move in a dimension, and I see God do something. I go, wow, God, how did you do that? I, that's what I want to be the normal part of my life. I, whether I win or lose, that's not as important to me anymore. What's important to me is I encounter the living God. What if that became our goal? Instead of, instead of peace of mind, what if it was just the living God? Because peace of mind will come if I'm encountering the living God. Instead of success, what if it's encountering the living God? Because I got a funny feeling, if I'm having God encounters and I'm experiencing God, as we've been talking about and reading about, I got a funny feeling, I'm going to see some miracles along the way. How about you? How about you? We, uh, I want to tell one story here, and we're going to, I want to set up a little bit of, uh, we're going to do a little praise here for, for a few minutes uh, tonight. But um, when, we, when we started this building, uh, a lot of people think we were strategic on that prayer wall out there, but we weren't. What happened was we had a big green wall. This is literally true. We had a big green wall, and Milt said, you know, we ought to do something on that wall, kind of break it up, because it's just, we don't have, what are you going to put on it? You know, a 60-foot painting? right? And I said, what do you think? And he said, why don't we take some stone and take it up a little bit? Maybe just take it up about here. And I said, man, I don't know. I think we need more stone than that. You know, let's just take it up pretty high. There was no thought of prayer wall. We get this thing up and I think it was actually Tammy. She looked at it and she goes, well, that looks like a prayer wall. Okay. And if you look, if you go right about where that reception desk is and you go right up above there, there's a, there's a, um, What's it called? A junction box where you put a plate over it. You know, okay, is that what it's called? Electrical box. And there's like a, just a, a plate over it, right? Well, if you look at it, if you've ever noticed it, you probably wonder why is that stuck up there. Well, we were going to put a wall sconce up there, but then when we built the wall, we said we shouldn't put the wall sconce. So then, after we started accumulating the prayer, and if you go up there, if you look at the wall, all the little prayer requests that are in white paper, those are all from the first year. 
we change colors every year. So second year is yellow. And then every one of them is taken out, and then there's a highlighter mark goes across them because that's when the prayer team records them so they can send them out, and they put them back in the wall. So I'm out there the other day, and we're looking at this thing, and I said, you know, I think what we ought to do with that little receptacle, it'd be perfect. Why don't we put a TV up there, and we can do a loop of the miracles and as we start to see miracles, we have people with testimonies. And so you walk up and somebody's going, you know what? I got to tell you about my miracle. And maybe one of the miracles is, you know what? I trusted God and he didn't answer my prayer the way I thought he would. What he did was he turned me in to a person of faith, a person of character to trust him even when things don't go my way. And then the next one is I trusted God for a miracle healing of cancer and I was healed. And you've got this testimony because that's what, that's what Hebrews 11 is, right? Isn't that what it is? It's a little monitor for us. Hey, some guys got sawn in two. By the way, they think that was Isaiah, just so you know. They, they believe that Isaiah was put into a wooden log and then sawn in half. That's how he died. I don't know why the wooden log thing. Why it just, maybe it just keeps everything clean and neat. I don't know, you know, right? But, but it's interesting, you know, that, that here you've got all these experiences going on here. Um, but faith is... I'm trusting God if God comes through. I'm trusting God if God doesn't come through the way I want him to. Isn't that faith? What do you do with that kind of people? You know, that's what, if you see what's happening with ISIS, you know, you, 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 you hear these stories where you've got whole villages where they go, you know, if you renounce Christianity, well, then we won't kill you. And they go, we'll kill us. Then kill us. Now, I don't know what kind of Bible study they were in. I don't know how deep their faith was, but I'm telling you what, when, it, when, when the rubber hits the road and you say, then kill us, to me, that's pretty serious faith. Wouldn't you agree? And the amazing thing is, in, in not every situation do they kill them. It's almost like they're intimidated by their faith. You ever intimidate somebody with your faith? I've had people intimidate me with their faith, and here's how it works. They're telling me what they're trusting God for, and I'm just like going, dang, I wish I could trust God for that. You ever, you ever had that experience? Really? And inside of you, you're going, I want that. I want that so bad. We have to experience God. So today, when we, when we take this study and you look at the back of your book and you realize, okay, we're here at this crisis of belief, and then the next one is, I'm just going to touch on this, every crisis belief causes me to adjust my life to meet that crisis. Noah had to start building an ark. Moses had to go back to Egypt, okay? Gideon had to come out of the cave, right? We have to adjust our life. What would, what would be that adjustment in your life? Because you can't do business as usual. Stay where you are. What would that look like? And every one of you, here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just, I'm going to go out on a limb here and make this statement. In every person in this room, somewhere along your spiritual journey, God has put something in you, put a little seed inside of you to believe him for something really big. You, don't, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I guarantee you, every one of you, just kind of thought about it a minute, you'd go, wow, I'd love to see God do that, or I feel like God spoke to me, or this is really what I want to see God do. Every one of us in this room. 
I'm just going to say this to all of us in this room at the same time. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not let God do that? Why not? God's going, why not? Why not? Why not? Well, it's been a long time. So, why not? When uh, Walt Disney came up with the idea of a of Disneyland built around a mouse, I mean, like, is this not the stupidest idea you've ever heard of, right? I'm going to build a whole, a whole amusement park around a mouse. And everybody counseled him not to do it. I only have one quote from Walt Disney that I know, but it's the only one I need. When they were telling him not to do it, he said, but what if it works? What if it works? If he never attempted it, we'd have to all go to Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> right? What if it works? So I want to leave you with that thought before we go into worship now. What if that thing God put on your heart, what if it works? What if your faith could ignite that seed that God put in your heart? What if it works? What would the world look like? We're going to uh, worship a little bit. Let me tell you what we're doing and why we're, we're kind of shifting this. Did you already talk about this, Nathan, last week or not? Oh, you did? Okay. You, I'll, I'll, while you guys get ready, I'll just say this. What we, uh, what we did, we were, we're on this journey of establishing this, um, this place of prayer, this house of prayer here. It's going to be different than everybody else's. We're not trying to replicate, you know, IHOP or anybody else. It's our culture, our, our church, our people, our way of doing things. So um, I, I admired anybody that could figure out how to get, for 19 years, people to pray for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't know. You know what I mean? When I struggle sometimes to get people to pray for an hour. If you can get if you 19 years and you never miss an hour, I need to learn from that, okay? I'll learn the methodology of it. So we're, we're engaging in this, and what we thought it would be a really good fit for us here is to, to have us kind of experience a little bit of that together so you get a feel for what that's like, okay? Um, so at 9 o'clock to, to 10.30 on every Tuesday, we'll have people come walking through to go to the coffee shop and someone will just stop and they'll listen. A couple of people sit down. We had one guy come in and I look back and he's got his phone. Did I tell you this already? Oh, he's got his phone and he's, we're doing, we're in worship, you know, we're singing and we're doing all this stuff and he's got his phone, he's filming us. I'm going, this may not be good. Right? I mean, I don't know. Are we doing something wrong here? Right? And he's filming and I don't know the guy and, and uh, so afterwards I, I, I said, who is the guy filming? Well, you know all those, uh, those cool LED lights we have up there on the, well, right next door, there's a building where they, it's a Chinese firm and they test LED lights. He comes over and gets his coffee and he was looking and he said, you know, could I donate some lights? Would it be okay if I donated some lights for this? Well, this was the guy. He was so moved by this prayer thing. He came in, he said, I'm going to post this on Instagram and everywhere. I've never seen anything like this. And God just brought this guy in. You know, just to just to kind of accelerate something. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Just so cool. So God's using it. So what we're going to do, um, is it you two? And, okay, you want me to play drums or anything? 
what I, what I want to do is I want to kind of model a little bit of this for you um, so it's not just worship, but but here's what we're going to do. We're going to um, typically what you have is you have a worship team, and it will typically consist of, you know, three or four people, some percussion, maybe another guitar, something like that, maybe another singer or two. And we'll start with a song that you probably know, and then there's a prayer leader, and I'm going to function as that prayer leader tonight. Okay, we're going to do this for about 15, 20 minutes or so. Okay, so I want you just to get a taste for it so you kind of know what we're doing, and hopefully, it's a really, really good experience for you. So, what we would, what a prayer leader would do would be to pick like a theme, something that we're going to go down a road on. So, let's just suppose um, that I'm. Um, Faith would be not a bad one. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little different one because we've talked a lot about faith. And I'm going to talk about um, about Jerusalem, okay? I want to talk about Israel and the nation of Israel. So what I would typically do is I would say, you know, uh, we are, our faith, so we're, I'm, I'm starting right now, okay? I'm starting. We are starting. You can feel free to um, to stand up. You can sit down. You can open your Bible. You can pray whatever you want to pray, they're not playing for you. And I'm not speaking to you so much as we're ministering unto the Lord. Okay? So I want you to think about the object of your attention here is not me. It's not the band here. Um, it is God. And somehow in this process of just entering into this spirit of worship, I want you just to get a, just get a sense of being in his presence. Maybe it's that throne room scene you see in Isaiah 6 or that one you see in Revelation 5, but you got this sense for that there's a presence of God here. And, and in this, what we will do is I'm, I'm going to actually ask you to participate in something tonight, and it's called rapid-fire prayers, okay? Um, I'm going to have um, Crystal and John, would you come up here for a minute? You guys are know what we're doing here. So um, right now, um, and I would, so if we did this, and I'm going to do this in a minute, I'm going to say we're going to have rapid fire prayers right now. And so I'm going to ask these guys to come and I'm going to give them the theme and they're, they're going to pray, but not more than about 30 to 60 seconds. Okay. And I'm going to be right here with the mic. So if some guys, you know, thinks he's going to pray like Elijah the prophet for two hours, we're taking the mic out of his hand. Got it? The idea is we want everybody to participate in some level. So, so we're going to talk about Israel. And so, um, so let's, just, let's just pray. Father, we just praise you and we want to thank you, God, that we can enter into your presence. God, you have brought us together here uh, as a school of ministry and uh, around this book called Experiencing God, Father, we we do want to experience you in, in, in even higher and greater and more wonderful ways. God, God, forgive me because so many times my stuff gets in the way of that experience. God, you've taught us something in your word about, about Israel and about how you made a covenant with Abraham. And God, that, that Abrahamic covenant was that you were going to bless those who bless you and curse those who cursed Abraham. So we just want to begin right now by blessing, um, by blessing your people. We don't bless them, God, because they're, they're all perfect. They're not. We don't even bless them because they're religious, because they're not all, even religious or Christian. We bless them because you told us to bless them. You told us, God, that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, God. And so we, we just pray, God, that it would be peace in that country of, of, of Israel, God, that their enemies would not attack, and, God, that there would be a, a coming to a realization of who the Messiah Jesus is.
And God, you said that there, you sent a, a Jew uh, named Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that he would bring peace to all mankind. One day, God, we know that'll happen. It's not yet, but we know it'll happen one day, God. And so we pray right now as a people, as a group here tonight, we pray for the, the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for Israel, your people. And now we're going to enter into rapid-fire prayer. And if anyone else wants to join Crystal and John up here, you can just line up behind them, and you'll kind of get a feel for it. This is pretty simple. Um, so we're, we're just understand, this is, we're instructing, we're kind of helping you walk through this participatory idea of prayer. So um, just, just pray. Pray.